Welcome everybody today. We're excited to spend some time together in, in God's Word and talking about how good He is. And my hope for today is that we would be encouraged. Wherever you are right now, whether you're in the living room or, or at the beach or, or at the park or at a friend's house or in a growth group, I pray that you would be encouraged when you hear this message. We're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And my hope once again is that during these difficult times and we're all facing them, it's still super funky in this COVID era. You know, if you're like me, your kids are back at school, kind of, not really. Uh, so frustrating them being in front of a screen all day long. I don't know what's going on with you and your work and, and my kids get headaches staring at the screen. I got two college kids that are in college but, but aren't really. Uh, my other two kids, um, like I said, staring at screens all day long and they've convinced us that they need these special screen glasses uh, to take away the headaches. I don't know. I think they're just trying to look cool. But anyways, um, if it's odd for you, join the club. Um, during this time still, there's a lot of difficulties as well. That's why I want to make sure that the church, that you, that we are encouraged today. Because during this time, there's a lot of uh, divorces happening at a, at a higher rate because people have lost hope. Uh, there's a lot of people that put their hope in their jobs. And we, as we know, a lot of jobs are, 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 are closing down. A lot of businesses are closing down. And... And, and they don't have hope. There's a lot of suicides that have increased during this time. And we know that happens when, when people lose hope. And so during this time of darkness and, and frustrations and uncertainty, I want to make sure we have hope. And I want to understand, I want us to understand why we should have hope. And today's message is titled, Worth the Wait worth the wait you guys whatever we're going through right now if we have god on our side it's worth the wait because because we have god on our side it, it changes god is a, god is a change maker like god is the ultimate like wild card god is the ultimate like ace in your pocket ace up your sleeve god is the ultimate guy to have on your team he changes everything you know another thing that's funky during this COVID time is sports are, are, are in a bubble. That's very odd. I don't know if you're watching at all. Some are, some aren't. But another thing that's funky is that the Padres are actually good. So that's really weird. That really makes me feel weird. Kind of more than anything else during this time, what really makes me feel weird is the Padres are actually good, actually kind of great. So we know that's funky as well. And football is, is kind of coming back. You know, NFL is coming back, college football, some are playing, some aren't, and it's just really odd times. Me personally, I'm looking forward to football coming back, even though college is, is set on the side, uh, NFL's right around the corner. Uh, and that reminds me, you know, of a time as I'm seeing the ESPN talk about different camps and, and different schedules coming up. It reminds me when uh, I was a, a, a young kid, uh, let me take you back to 1991. So if you could go back that far, for many of you, it's prehistoric for you because you weren't even born. But 1991, I was a sophomore at San Diego State, just down the road uh, at San Diego State. And uh, I was coming off of a very good, uh, not rookie, but freshman season. Uh, when I got to San Diego State my freshman year, 
I was excited. My, my dream come true to play football at the Division I level, to play at Jack Murphy Stadium in front of friends and family and fans. It was like everything I dreamed about when I was a kid. So I got to actually play as a true freshman. I got to start like at 18 years old at UCLA. Another dream come true. That was so surreal, playing in front of like 80,000 people at the Rose Bowl. And, and the year before, I was in high school. The year before, I'm playing in front of my mom and dad and, and some kids from high school at my school, Dos Pueblos up in Santa Barbara. And, and now, fast forward a year, there's 80,000 people, and it was incredible. And my sophomore year, right now, I'm excited. I have a year underneath my belt of playing football. I got to San Diego State when I was 17 years old. I was 17 years old going onto the football team and playing against guys, uh, especially the BYU guys, were like 23 and 24. Like their kids are in the stands rooting their dad and their kids have beards. So I knew that, you know, uh, it was a different level when their kids had beards and I didn't. But now my sophomore year, I'm now 210 pounds as opposed to my freshman year when I was 175. You know, now I'm 210, 6'2", uh, very fast with a year of playing college football underneath my belt. And I'm thinking, guys, this is my year. I'm going to dominate. I'm going to just really, really set the tone for this year to hopefully uh, um, have this catapult me into a, a great career in college and play pro. So there I am at camp, bigger, faster, stronger, one year under my belt and ready to take on the world. And as, as camp begins, there's this guy that, that's new to the team that we look at him and we don't think, think much of him. We don't know who he is. He's from Louisiana. Most of our recruits were from the West Coast. Uh, certainly nobody from Louisiana. And then practices begin. And when practices begin, you know, we see that he's fast. We see that he's agile. Um, I was a free safety. I was a defensive back. And so we were going against, of course, the offense. But here's the deal. Everybody on offense at that level was fast. The receivers are fast. Uh, the, the, the linemen, the 300-pound linemen are fast, right? The running backs are fast. So this guy was a running back, and he was fast. But uh, so what? We're just kind of in helmets and shoulder pads so to be fast was no big deal until the first day we had pads the first day we had pads it was a whole different story because now all bets are off now we're playing real football and frankly that's where I was really would shine is during pads so I was excited for the first day in pads and get to hit people right you get to tackle people you get to make a physical statement and the first day in pads this guy who was the running back at the time uh, did something that I never experienced before so let me tell you about this guy. His name is Marshall Falk. Now, if you're my age or around my age, you know who this guy is. He's a San Diego State legend. He's an NFL Hall of Famer, which means he's one of the best guys that has ever put on a helmet in the NFL, let alone college. But we don't know him as Marshall Falk. We don't know him as an All-American. We don't know him as a Heisman Trophy candidate. We don't know him as a future Hall of Famer. We just know him as Marshall, the freshman from Louisiana that we've never heard of. 
that's pretty fast. Well, the first time I went against him, right? So he gets the ball, he cuts to the hole, and he takes off, and I take off after him thinking I'm going to catch him, and I don't even come close. I was surprised because I never really experienced that. So I go to the sideline and I ask my best friend at the time, hey, did you see that? He said, yeah, of course. And he asked me what happened. So I started thinking and I didn't want to admit, you know, that he was just way faster than I was. So I said, uh, you know what? I took a bad angle, real bad angle. So I couldn't catch him. The next time, all right, great. Now when I get to tackle you, we're going to see Marshall. So the next series we go through and he comes through and I go to tackle him and I bounce off of him. He was like a bowling ball, like an explosive, fast, skilled, angry little bowling ball. I couldn't tackle him. So I sheepishly make my way to the sideline and, and my friend asked me, he said, hey Marcus, and he goes, uh, so, so what happened then? You know, the first time I took a bad angle and this time my excuse was, you know what, I didn't wrap up. Yeah, I just, if I just would have wrapped up, you know, I, I would have got him down. And of course, he, I was no chance that I was going to tackle him. So the next series I go in, I know that he outran me and I know that I, I bounced off of him. And so this next series, I'm really excited. Now, if I could just meet him in the hole right there where he can't outrun me, where there's people around and it's just me and him one on one. So I get my wish. He's running right through the hole surrounded by people. So I just go my 6'2", 210 pound frame and I go and I try to explode on Marshall. He puts his helmet in my chest and runs me over. I find myself flat on my back and I think he left his cleat marks on my, on my uh, forearm and, and, and my chest. You can probably still see it right here. And now I ran out of excuses. Now I knew I was going to have to ask, answer that question to my friend and I get back to the sideline and he said, Marcus, what happened? And I just shook my head and I said, you know what? He's just a lot better than I am. So I didn't feel so bad when later on in film, we saw him do that to everybody. And the first time that he touched the ball in a college game, he ran for more yards the first time as a freshman than anybody in the history of college football. And of course, of course catapulted that onto a great college career and an NFL Hall of Fame career. Here's the deal. It just wasn't fair with me competing against Marshall because Marshall was the game changer because he was a Hall of Famer. And frankly, I was just some scrub playing college football. And I realized that real quick. Marshall was the game changer. Now, this is what I ask you. If Marshall, being so much greater than everybody else, certainly greater than me, could you imagine having God on your side? Can you imagine having the one that spoke the world into existence, that being the one that's on your side? Can you imagine having the guy that walked on water, right? The guy that cast out demons, the guy that turned water into wine, the guy that resurrected from the dead and defeated death itself, that guy on your side. Well, church, that's why we should be encouraged. That's why even though we're in difficult times, you know what? We got to know who's on our side and it's worth the wait. 
if we're in a hard time right now, join the club, but I don't want you to become overwhelmed with discouragement because it's worth the wait because God is on our side. Let's take a look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 right here. We're going to go in verse 3 through 6. If you want to read with me, it says this. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love of all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. Let's stay there for a while before we jump ahead. You know, there's some things that jump out at me right off the bat that I want us to take a look at. You know, Paul is writing to the church, the, the, the Thessalonians, right? And he is letting them know that he is encouraged with them. Why? Because of the love they have for one another is increasing. Man, I pray that that would be what God and others could say about me. That my love that I have for you, for my family, for one another, for our church is increasing during these tough times. And speaking of tough times, the church was under severe persecution during this time. And that's why Paul was encouraging them, saying, hey guys, even though times are tough, right? Even though there are people dying, you know, even though you have to break the law by sharing the word of Jesus Christ, even though you're in fear of your life. Sound familiar? We can relate a little bit with that. Maybe not as extreme, but we can relate with that, I think. He said, although that's the case, your love for one another is increasing. NVC, hopefully that would be us, that during these dark times, during these difficult times, during these times where there's very little hope, people could say to us that our love for one another is increasing. And he also goes to say, let's pick it up at verse 4. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecution and trials you are enduring. Perseverance, what a great word, right? They were able to persevere. Through the trials, they persevered. Through the tribulation, they persevered. Through being martyrs, they persevered. And you know what? They persevered. This is why. Because they knew it was worth the wait. They knew who was on their side. And my friends, we have God on our side, even in dark times, even in difficult times. And that's why it's worth the wait. We're not waiting in vain. We're not waiting with some false hope. We're not waiting for some imaginary God with, with eyes that can't see and mouth that can't speak and ears that can't hear, hear you and arms that can't reach out. We have a God that's alive, that's omnipotent, that's omniscient, that's omnipresent. That's who's on your side. And the church, the Thessalonians knew that God was on their side. And let's take a look at the next verse. Five, all this evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. So here's my first point that I want to bring out today, right? Why it's worth the wait. 
The reason it's worth the wait is because, number one, we see in these verses that God will provide our retribution. God will provide retribution. Now, I know this is a word as Christians we typically stay away from, right? Because we know it's not for us to provide that retribution, but we got to adjust God. You know, there's a lot of injustices that are going on right now. I don't need to name them. If you're watching TV, if you're listening to the radio, if you're on social media, on all sides, on both sides of the political spectrum, I think all reasonable people are seeing behaviors, are seeing events, are seeing things that are blowing our mind and going, why is this happening? And, and, and maybe you feel compelled to you be the one to fix it. You know, maybe you feel compelled that you need to take action and you need to be the one to pay the evildoers back. But let me tell you, it is not our job to do that. But here's the deal. It will happen. God is a loving God, but God is also a just God, meaning this, that all those actions, all these words, all these behaviors that are going on that are evil, we can sit back and we can let God handle it. We see this principle all throughout Scripture. You know, we see this principle in this passage right here, and hopefully you can trust this principle in your life. Let's take a look at this verse right here that kind of points that out as well. It's in Romans 12, 18 and 19. It says this, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, it's not our duty, guys, to take people and take revenge. It's not our dirty duty to supply the retribution, but we do have a God that says this. Hey, relax, Marcus. NVC, relax. I got this. God is watching God has taken note, and in the right time, whether it be now, whether it be down the road, whether it be through him fulfilling his ultimate promise by coming back, it's coming. We know that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now for us to do that on this side of eternity, what a blessing we have. But those that don't, they're still going to have to acknowledge and they're still going to have to deal with God's wrath. And I don't know about you, I didn't want to deal with my father's wrath growing up. I still don't. And I certainly don't want to deal with God's wrath. But thank the Lord for the sacrifice that he made through his son. We are now freed from that wrath, but we get to know that God will provide our retribution. So I, I, I want to I share the rest of this message, kind of understanding uh, the story of God's people when they were captives, when they were slaves, when they were in Egypt. So we know that God's people were slaves in Egypt. And it came to a point where it was terrible. It was unbearable, unbearable for them. 
I mean, who wants to be a slave, especially God's people? And now for, for centuries, they've been subjugated to the evil of Egypt, and, and they were tired of it. They were not in a spot to provide the retribution. They were not in a spot to really give Egypt what it deserved, and they just had to wait patiently. And they waited and they waited until God was the one that provided the retribution. And we know the story goes on through Moses that God rose up a leader to defend the people of Israel while in Egypt. And through Moses and his dealings with the Pharaoh, as much as Pharaoh thought he had the power, as much as Pharaoh thought that he was the ultimate, right? We know that back again, once again, God, the wild card, the ace in the hole, the people of Israel, the Hebrews had God. And this is how God initially right there during that time provided the retribution for the people of Israel. We can take a look at right there. We know that 10 plagues happened before the exodus, the exodus occurred. The water turned into blood. Uh, there was amphibians everywhere. There was gnats, flies, disease on the livestock, unhillable boils, hell, fire, locusts, darkness, and of course the, the, the darkest, the, the heaviest retribution of them all, which was the death of the firstborn. Here's the deal. This was not them doing it to their captives. This was not Israel or the Hebrews taking it into their own hands, but this was an act of God as we see these plagues right here. I want you to consider this. I want you to consider the difficult things that you're going through. I want you to consider those that may be the ones who are putting you through that difficult time. Further back, I want you to consider the difficult things that this nation is going through. Right? I want you to uh, consider the things that make your blood boil, the things that when you read them or see them, you can't believe that it's happening and something just stirs up in you and you say that it's right. Or even take a bigger look and take a look at the things going on in the world, all the abuses, the, the famine and just the sin and the evilness that abounds and you go, Lord, I can't believe it. And it angers you. And with those things, I want you to take them to God. I want you to say, God, will you be the one to handle these things? Will you be the one to handle my enemies in my life? Will you be the one to really help this nation to bring, to you be the one to handle all the wrong things going on globally? And now it's out of your hands. And it's in the hands of a God, a loving God, and yet, yes, a just God. But God is the one that will provide our retribution. It doesn't need to be me. Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians. It says this, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you. Who are troubled and to us as well this will appear when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire and his powerful angels back to six God is just he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you 
We've established that. And listen to this. And give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. Here's my second point of today's message is that God will also provide our relief. Now, we've seen that God will provide, right? He will provide a retribution. It's so nice. It's not only that he's going to handle his business for those evildoers. Here's the beautiful thing, too. To his children, to his church, to us in VC, to you watching online if you're a believer, to us individually, he is going to provide our relief. Man, and I don't know about you, but relief is a wonderful thing. Think of the last time that you were stressed out and, and you were nervous that something was going to happen, but you know what? God provided that relief. Or think of right now, at least here in Escondido and San Diego and Southern California, wherever you're watching from, but here it's been hot. As a matter of fact, it's supposed to be over 100 degrees today. And when I'm outside in the sun and I'm sweating and it's hot and I'm just longing for some sort of relief, I love when I go into my house and I go in and there's air conditioning. And I look inside the refrigerator and there's some lemonade. Better yet, there's some Chick-fil-A lemonade. Can I hear amen somebody for Chick-fil-A lemonade? Thank you, Jesus. And I sit down on my couch and I pour myself a glass of that lemonade and, and I feel the cool breeze of the air conditioner and the, and the sweet citrus flavored lemonade going down my throat. Oh, what a relief. That relief right? It's temporary. And it doesn't compare, you guys, to the real relief that God can provide. Uh, let's take a look at this verse in Psalm that's there on the screen. And it's written by David. And David was a great man of God, but David was a man certainly in need of constant relief from God, even though he was his child. And even though, church, we are God's, we know that there's plenty of times where we need to rely on his relief and maybe that's you right now where financially you need some relief maybe physically you need some relief M maybe emotionally you need some relief maybe in your relationship you need some relief maybe with your kids driving you crazy at home doing school you certainly need some relief but God is the one they can ultimately provide our relief. I love this passage here in Psalms 34, 4 through 8. It says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I love that it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. David cried out to the Lord because he needed some relief. And he knew that God heard them. Look, if you're in a time right now where you need some relief, you know what? Don't, don't suffer in silence. 
Don't just keep it to yourself. Uh, don't lash out at people. Don't become angry. Take it to the Lord, just like David is a great example here. Take these things to the Lord, and he will, he will hear you if you call upon his name. Man, what a beautiful thing that we're not stuck. What a beautiful thing that we've got hope and that we can hold on to the promises of God. But unlike the world, his promises are for us. Unlike the world, we have true hope and trust and an honest, loving, omnipotent, powerful God. That's who our trust is in. And if your trust is not in him, what is your trust in? I've seen throughout these times, if your trust is in your finances, good luck. If, if your trust is in Bitcoin, well, well, good luck. If your trust is in your job, well, well, good luck. If the trust is in your team, right? You remember the Chargers back in the day? Well, good luck. If the trust is in some, something else other than God, you are going to be disappointed. You are going to be saddened when you realize you cannot Put your trust in those things and expect them to really deliver. And just today, I was driving here, and as I'm going down the road and picking up speed, I see this bee, right? I see this bee on the windshield, and the bee somehow is hanging on to the windshield. Now, how that happens, I don't know, because the windshield is slick. Now, the windshield doesn't have much things to grasp onto. You know, obviously it's not perfectly clean, so there must have been something for that for that bee to hang onto. And, and the faster I went, the more I kept looking at that bee, and my wife was saying, hey, look at the bee just shaking, hold on for dear life. And, and I, I found myself rooting for that bee. I found myself wondering, how long can that bee hold on? And the faster I went, like, just hold on B just hold on and I went faster and you know I thought that B was going to make it and at some point bloop, the B flies off here's the deal the B was not going to make it through that storm the B was not going to make it through that wind that was just so much greater than him and you know what in life we face things obstacles that are way beyond us and that's okay Thank God he is the one that provides our relief like he did with David. And let's take a look at this next slide right here. And back to the people of Israel, right? As we notice that, that Moses was being used by God to deliver them, we know that God did provide retribution for them. We know that God took the he took the situation into his own hand and said, I got this. And we saw that the plagues that came upon them with the retribution, but now Israel was in need of relief. So how does God provide that relief? We see that he, Israel's get, Israel gets to escape Egypt and they go to the land of Canaan, right? We see that they pursued the Israelites through the Red Sea, and that Red Sea fell upon them. We see that through the desert for 40 years, they marched through that desert, but God was still able to provide relief. There's a great story when, 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 when Moses threw a log into some water that was bitter, and that log supernaturally, God used it to turn the water sweet. And of course, we know the story as they march through the desert, 
when they needed food that God provided quail and manna for them on the daily basis he provided for them wow i love that how just through that story of the people of israel not only did god provide the retribution for them against egypt and pharaoh but also god provided the relief so god is going to provide our relief all through the desert for 40 years now, the trip could have taken much shorter, right? There's a whole different message that we can give on the amount of time that it took the people of Israel to get from Egypt to the land of Canaan, a trip that, that should have taken maybe a month or two, right? Ended up taking 40 years because of their attitudes, because of their complaining. But even through that difficult time, God provided their relief. So my question to us is, how is our attitude right now? during these difficult times. How is our attitude? You know, the, the, the Thessalonians' attitude was great. They were known for loving one another. They were known for persevering. I pray in VC that our attitude during this time as we're waiting for God's relief would be the same, that it would not be like the people of Israel that complained for 40 years and that delayed the blessing that was coming. You know, but not only did, did the people of Israel experience God's relief, you know, this principle is shown to us throughout the Bible time and time and time again. Let's just take a look at some names, right, that we are aware of that in need of relief. We can start off with Adam and Eve who sinned and God relieved them because he provided the covering for their sin when the fig leaves couldn't. We see Noah right here that the, the earth got so evil that God, although he destroyed the earth, he provided that relief for those that were seeking him, Noah and his family. What a great, great God. We see through Joseph as well, the story of Joseph, a great, great story of a young man that, that was just promised by God wonderful things. And even though he was promised, he ended up being thrown into a cistern, being thrown into becoming a slave essentially. And eventually he also became incarcerated. So here we have this great young man that now is incarcerated for basically standing up for the things of God. But God provided the relief for Joseph and all of his family. And of course, we know that God provided the relief for Israel as we're seeing their story through Moses and going through the desert. We provided the relief for King David, the one that we read about when he was writing the psalm, crying out to God how, 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 how people were after him, how people were after his life, how his life was endangered, how he was lonely and scared, and still he cried out to God, and he said, I cried out and God heard me. And he's the one that told us in Psalm, taste and see that God is good provided the relief for Shadrach Meshach and Abednego we know that story where they're thrown into a fiery furnace because they would not bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar and yet even though they went into that fiery furnace that the fire was so hot that the ones that were throwing them into the fire died 
Yeah, he provided the relief, the relief, because when they looked in there, they saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they saw one, man, one more man. They saw a fourth man in the fire, and that man in the fire was Christ himself providing the protection, the relief that they needed. We know that Jonah, even though he was being disobedient, he was thrown off of the ship, drowning in the depths of the water, and God provided a big fish to swallow him. Sometimes the relief seems kind of stinky, but it really is something that we draw up, but he still provided that relief for Jonah. Think about the New Testament as we made our 40 days to the New Testament church. All the miracles that we witnessed, all the healings that we saw and we read about. He provided relief for every one of those, and I know that God has provided relief for me and my family. He has provided relief for you as well and our God beyond you and me and our family in NVC he's provided relief for the world and I got a quick little video here that I want us to focus on that's really cool that outlines the church throughout the ages going through difficult times and yet growing in spite of them and being relieved along the way let's take a look Hopefully, that little video there was a huge encouragement to see how it started from a, from a band of, of 12 people, 11 people, with, the, with their leader who was crucified and died. And how did that band from, from 11 people, right, and, and the group, how did it grow to where we are nowadays? And, and, you know, so often we hear on the news all the difficulties, all the evils. Like they say, if it bleeds, it leads, right? It's the most important thing in news if it's ugly, but I hopefully that encouraged you. And can you imagine, you guys, along the way, all the relief that God provided the church to be able to outlast governments, to be able to outlast philosophies, to be able to outlast armies and civilizations, and now throughout the world, how prominent Christianity is. And you know what? Relief all along the way wasn't difficult. I mean, it wasn't easy. 
very difficult. And in your life right now, you may be going through some things that aren't easy, that are difficult, right? But God is the one providing you that relief. And I want to make this point right here that not only will God provide relief to us that we know is very important, but God will also provide relief through us. Let me read that again. Not only will God provide relief to us, but he will also provide relief through us. Here's the deal. As believers, as his children, we've been given this grace and these promises and this relief. But you know what? We aren't to just keep it for ourselves. Uh, NVC, those believers that are watching right now, uh, think back on that little video there. And as Christianity ex ex expanded exponentially, do you know how many miracles happened along the way? Do you know I mean, how many breakthroughs happened along the way? Not only in God's people, but also by God's people being the source through God's power of that relief as well. So my hope is that God is using me during these times, not only as he provides relief for me and my family, but that I would be a source to my community, to my church, to my friends, to my family, that someone that God is using to provide that NVC, hopefully that's us. Can you imagine that same little video there, you know, but really focusing on right now on NVC and it starts off in the city of Escondido and, and then it grows to the outskirts of Escondido and then next year, two years, it, it's growing through, through North County and then five years later, you see a map of San Diego of how God is, see, uh, is using NVC and it just spreads out that God would use us in that way. And church, I want to encourage you, we are in an awesome time right now. Even though there's difficult times, persecution, uncertainties right now as God's going to be completing that building here pretty soon. And we're going to use that kind of as the epicenter, right, to show God's love, to show God's light in our community and way beyond. I want to encourage you, when that video spread, it wasn't passive. When that video spread, it wasn't just by chance. It was God using his people who were active, right? His people who were focused on using their gifts for God's glory. And I want to encourage you as things begin to open up and our services come soon, right? Get involved. Get involved in what God is doing there. Get involved in coming and, and volunteering and, and serving and, and whether it's hospitality or whether it's children's or whether it's security or worship or parking or set up and breakdown. You have to understand that God is going to use that. Don't stay idle. Be active. Let the Lord use your smile. Let the Lord use your muscles. Let the Lord use your brain. Let the Lord use all the gifts that he's given you for his glory. Let's not be idle during this time and in several weeks when our church is open. I just pray that we'd have an overwhelming amount of support of everybody watching right now to be ready to serve, to be ready to be used for God's glory as he can provide relief to us, but also provide relief through us. And let's get back to Thessalonians as we're closing up now. And Second Thessalonians, uh, same chapter, verses 10 through 12, says this. Another day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who had believed. This includes you, because you have believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God would make you worthy of his calling and that by his power 
he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Take a look at those highlighted bold words right there. Bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Here's my last point, church, that God, we know, will provide retribution. We've seen that. That God will provide our relief. And here's the last one that's super exciting. God will be the one and he will provide our reward. Retribution, relief, reward. I like this image here of, of, of Moses sitting on the mountaintop, taking a look at the promised land and, 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 and understanding that through the difficult times, it was God that provided that reward. And know this, guys, that it's worth the wait. And along the way, living this Christian life, we have so many rewards, so many rewards of, of things that go along as I'm waiting to spend eternity with God in heaven. Even along the way, by living my life for the Lord, the, the blessings He's given me with my health, with my family, with my wife, with my children, with my church, with my careers, with living in San Diego, with the miracles I've seen, with the healings I've experienced, with the joy and peace and love that dwell within me and the patience that have happened along the way. There's been so many rewards, but none of them compare to the ultimate reward that we get to spend eternity with God. Wow. It's worth the wait. I love this verse right here. And it says this, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. It is God, the one that rewards the ones who seek Him. Are you seeking God today? If not, I encourage you to do that. And maybe it's been a while because of the, the funkiness. You've kind of put God aside. I pray and I ask that you would not do that, that you would earnestly seek God because of the rewards that he provides are so overwhelming. What he has for you, the forgiveness. Become his child, become his son and his daughters and all these promises, right? Just like the people of Israel ultimately receive the promise of entering into the promised land, a land flowing of, with milk and honey, a fertile land. God wants to provide for us just those, those beautiful, beautiful rewards. And not only in heaven, but even along the way, even though it's difficult along the journey, so many beautiful things happen. So I hope you're encouraged today. I hope that seeing the journey that the people of Israel went through, where God provided their retribution, where God provided their relief, and ultimately where God provided their reward. Hopefully through 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we see these principles in that first chapter as well. But my hope is that you would experience these principles as well. So as we move into this time of, of observing and thanking the Lord for the ultimate sacrifice that he provided through his son Jesus. We want to take some time to gather around the table and to observe communion. And as we take the time to, to, to take the bread, 
and to understand how God gave up his body for this so that we can become his children. How God shed his blood as we, as we take the cup and we remember that blood that was shed knowing that the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sins. So in other words, without someone's death, without blood, someone's got to pay for the cost of our sin and thank God that through his son Jesus he provided that. So if you've not made those decisions, I just encourage you to just make that decision to, to serve the Lord, to go after Him, to give your life to Him, to, to become baptized, to be, to, to be a child of God and, and, and be His church. I thank you, Lord, for this time. I thank you for the examples and principles that you've shown us, and I thank you for allowing us to receive them as your children. And God, I pray for anybody right now that's not your child that they would make that decision. Thank you for this bread and this cup, Lord, as we take it and remember the sacrifice you made for us. God bless you guys, and let's continue on in worship.